All right. Well, happy Sunday, everybody who's here. Happy Sunday, everybody who's in your house. Uh, it's great, right? We're kicking off two services today. It's been awesome to see some people back who we haven't seen for about eight or nine months. Um, and if you're at home and you've been with us for eight or nine months, it's great to have you with us again this Sunday. So like Brandon said, uh, God's Word is active today, and there are things that He wants us to know about who He is, and so we should come expectantly. And so I'm going to pray that uh, His purposes and His Word will be accomplished for us in the 30 minutes or so that we have uh, this morning. So let's pray. Father, it is great to come back uh, together, and it's great to be in Your Word, and <clears throat> You have things that You want us to know in this moment, and Your Word doesn't return void, and so there's no power in me or in whoever stands up here, Father, but the power is through your word and through your spirit. And so I pray that you will work in every single person's lives and hearts today. You want us to know more about you. You want us to be living our lives in a way that reflects you. That's your desire. And so we come, Father, expectantly for the Holy Spirit to work so that we can hear what you have for us so that we will live our lives differently. And may we do so honoring Jesus and trusting Jesus, who is our king, who has complete control over his kingdom, and who asks us and enables us and equips us to serve in that kingdom in a way that brings glory and honor to you, Father. So be with us in this moment. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today is our fall launch, right? Uh, usually most fall launches for the many years that I've been in ministry look a little different where you have hundreds and hundreds of people hanging out and shaking hands and hugging and there's balloons everywhere and that's not what this year's fall launch is like. But nonetheless, it's still a fall launch and for what that means at Calvary is we're kicking back off on our Sundays with two services to make space for more people who may want to come back and feel comfortable and we're kicking off all of our kind of most of our regularly scheduled weekly events and so the specific ministries you can find information about online uh, for your kids life student life women's ministry have kicked off a while ago but they're going to be in full gear one of the things that the COVID thing uh, actually I'm kind of discouraged about is last fall I think it was we had an awesome time a bunch of guys with zero social distancing, crammed in that room, breathing all over each other. That's where COVID started, right? Uh, but a while back, we had a great time as men and an equipping class thinking about men's issues we were going to use as a springboard to be purposeful in creating ongoing opportunities for men here at Calvary to engage and connect. And this had some things on tap for late winter, early spring, and then COVID came. So it kind of kiboshed a lot of that. But we're still thinking about how do we serve men at Calvary and so be watching for some potential opportunities about that stuff in the month to come. But today is when we kind of kick off our ministry season here at Calvary, September 27th. And not just here at Calvary, but on September 27th, probably in your own life, uh, your schedule. Can you do the timer one more time, Kanan? Just because I don't want to keep these poor people here until like 4 o'clock this afternoon. They'll get mad at me. Uh, but in your own life, you've kicked off, like, you, you kind of know what your fall looks like, right? You kind of have an idea of maybe some kids are back in school. Maybe you know a little bit about what your fall is going to look like. You've got a little routine. You've got a little schedule. Maybe the only thing routine about your schedule is that you're just kind of living day by day, and you're not expecting to know what next week looks like. But by now, to some degree, we, we've all kind of settled into something, even if the only something that we've settled into the fall is not really knowing what we're settling into. And as we've gotten a routine, as we've looked ahead at the fall, as we've tried to think about how our lives are going to be different 
through COVID and because of COVID this fall, I, I guess the question that we should also ask ourselves is this, what does our lives spiritually look like this fall? Spiritually, you've probably figured out kids schooling, hybrid learning, spiritually, what is my life, what does your life look like this fall? As so much and as your life has been impacted by COVID, the question is what impact does God want you to have in this moment? What does your fall look like spiritually? What impact does God want you to have in this moment? Those questions, those discussions are front and center in the text that we were in last week and in the text that we're again in this week. We're, we're in this text in Ephesians because we're walking through this sermon series that we've been in through about the summer or so in the book of Ephesians. And we're going to just kind of keep walking through Ephesians through Thanksgiving and our Christmas series. And so here's what's coming up in a few weeks in our series. We're going to have a little sub-series on issues relating to family because Paul in the next you know, paragraph or two is going to start talking about family situations. There's going to be wisdom and there's going to be guidance for husbands and wives and parents and kids. How do we all live together? What does it mean to serve Jesus? How do we serve one another? Then after that, we're going to move into this section where Paul tells us that, hey, we're, we're in a spiritual battle. And we're in a spiritual battle, and God's given us certain tools and resources to help equip us in that battle. We'll think about that, and then we'll wrap up our series with the last paragraph of Ephesians, because there's this one dude's name who, when you're, you know, if you've read the book, or it's like, okay, some guy, the, the one little dude's name is mentioned in the last paragraph. His name is Tychicus. It's a great name for your cat, if you're trying to name a cat. I don't know why you have a cat, but there's sin in your life, but we can pray for you after the service, okay? But, but here's the, oh gosh, I've just insulted half the world. That's okay. Truth hurts. So, Tychicus, great name for you to name your cat, right? And it's the name of a guy who we breeze over, but man, his life is so interesting. He had such an impact, and so we're going to study his life as we wind our Ephesians series down. That's where we're going in the weeks to come. But for this week, we're finishing up the two-part kind of sermon from last week, and the text that we're going to be in and finishing off is Ephesians 5, verses 15 through 18. Ephesians 5, verses 15 through 18. And if you were here last week, or if you joined us online last week, here, here's kind of the big points. Here's what we covered last week in the first part of these verses. <clears throat> what Paul challenged these Christians a long time ago to do was this. He said, examine your life to see if you're walking wisely. Christians in Ephesus gathered together in a little church community who were in a culture with all sorts of things going on. What he writes to them individually and corporately as a church is examine your life to see if you're walking wisely. And then he told us how to walk wisely. And the way we saw last week and we pressed into last week that you can walk wisely and that we can walk wisely is this. Do not waste your life. Examine your life, to see how you're doing, to see if you're walking wisely and you walk wisely by not wasting your life. This week, Paul's going to continue those thoughts and keep fleshing them out. And as he's challenged us last week not to waste your life, and we spent a good bit of time last Sunday talking about that, it kind of raises some questions. There's some questions floating out there like, why is Paul so adamant in this moment to encourage those Christians not to waste their life? Why is that something that's so important for us today? Well, why should we examine our lives? Why is he challenging them, Christians in Ephesus and Christians for Calvary, right? Engage, step up, make an impact. 
Why does that whole conversation matter to those people in their culture and us and our culture? Why should we examine our life? Why should we not waste our life? Well, Paul's not going to kind of leave that loose end hanging. He's going to explain it. He's going to tell them why it matters in this moment. And he does that in verse 16 where he says this. Right? He's already told us, look carefully how you walk, not as wise but unwise, making the best use of time because... Here's the reason why you shouldn't waste your life. Here's the reason why you should see how you're doing. Because the days are evil. You engage. You don't waste your life. You examine your life because the days are evil. Now that word evil can be used with a few different nuances throughout Scripture, a few different meanings. It can mean just generally things that aren't the way they're supposed to be, things that are troubling. That word evil carries with it the idea of moral evil, of, of sin. It carries with it the idea of social inequities, of injustice. All of those different concepts can be wrapped up into this term evil and can mean evil. Most people think when Paul's talking to these Christians and he's saying, guys, don't waste this moment. Because the days are evil, what he's talking about is some of the moral evil that they faced around them. What I also think they're talking about is some of the inequalities and injustice. And he's saying in the midst of all that, leverage the moment that you have. Engage now, what Paul's saying, because the need is now and because the opportunity is now. So leverage it, engage, don't waste it. And Paul's talk to them about seizing the moment wasn't just like nice pastor churchy talk. It wasn't just fluffy motivational speak for no reason because as God was inspiring those words, what God knew is that in about two years from when this letter would be written, Rome would start this official government policy of arresting Christians and then killing those Christians. And when this was written, the people who heard that, two years later, many of them would be losing their life. And what Paul is saying, as God knows that's coming, is, guys, you have this window now. The opportunity is now. The need is now. Don't waste it. Why should we not waste our life? Here's what Paul's telling them and telling us. Because there's a great opportunity and need. For you and for me, In this moment, there is a great opportunity and need in our culture. If I brought my phone up here and I flipped open to Twitter and showed you my Twitter feed, there would be all sorts of conversations in social media. There's all sorts of conversations in our culture. There's all sorts of conversations in different news outlets about issues of what justice is and issues of equality. And as those conversations are raging in our culture, what an amazing need and what an amazing opportunity for us to speak into and speak out about what God says, about justice for all people and God's value of all people and the worth of people in God's eyes. In this moment... There's all sorts of people and maybe all sorts of us who are filled with fear, anxiety, worry, discouragement, depression, 
people you work with, people whose houses you drive down in your neighborhood, maybe some of us here. And with all those emotions raw in our culture, with all the anxiety and all the fear and all the stress, what an amazing opportunity and what an amazing need for us to speak up about God's idea of peace and about the source of hope. When it seems every conversation is about five seconds away from rudeness, from anger, from, from hostility, from unkindness, what an amazing opportunity and need for Christians, for you, to have the type of speech and the type of conversation that God talks about, which is speech with graciousness and gentleness in your words. As you look around us, there just seems to be so much lying. Absolute dishonesty. What an opportunity and what a need for you to tell the truth, to be honest. See, just like these folks a long time ago, man, we live in a moment where there's so much opportunity and there's so much need for Christians to engage in a biblically-centered and biblically-focused way. So, so Paul is kind of l- launching these 40,000-foot view ideas, right? And he's saying, don't waste your life. And he's telling them, because the moment is now. There's a need for Christians to live like Christians. And, and then the question is, you try to process, like, okay, those are pretty lofty ideas. Like, so what do we do? What do we do next? Have you ever been part of a, a planning meeting or a strategy meeting or a vision meeting where there's all sorts of ideas thrown out about new initiatives and we're going to do this program or we're going to do that program and it's like exciting. It's like rah, rah, let's do it. And then kind of the meeting ends and like nobody has any clue what to do next. There's no clarity. Everybody's like, man, we're going to change the world. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do tomorrow. It's so much more helpful when you have a meeting where there's planning and there's strategizing and there's thinking to then leave that with some clear action steps, right? Some clear next items for people to do. Well, the great news is that Paul gives us some action steps. Paul gives them and Paul gives us some very tangible next things to do. If we don't want to waste our life, if we want to take advantage of this opportunity, there's two action steps that Paul gives us. The first one is in verse 17 where he says this, Therefore, that means that that word, right, links back. The old, the old cheesy thing I hate to even say is whenever you see a therefore, you ask what it's there for, whatever, right? But the therefore is there because Paul said some stuff. He said, don't waste your life. Leverage this moment, right? Therefore, so here's what you do next. He says this in verse 17. Do not be foolish. Do not be foolish. There's an opportunity. There's a need. First action step. So in your thinking, do not be foolish. Foolish has this idea of, of lacking understanding, just lacking understanding. And what Paul's telling them, what Paul's telling us is this, don't allow foolish thinking, foolish attitudes, <clears throat> foolish perspectives to keep you from engaging biblically and engaging properly in this moment. And there's all sorts of different emotions that we can face that sometimes cause us to either think foolishly or to act foolishly. Sometimes panic. We don't know what to do. We know we need to do something. We have no clue what to do. And so we just act foolishly. 
Sometimes we're so overwhelmed. It, it loses our ability to think clearly because there's so much to do. There's so much to try to resolve. There's so much going on. I don't even know what to do. And it prevents us from thinking clearly. Sometimes we withdraw. It seems too much. We disengage, which doesn't lead us to proper engagement, but leads us to foolishness. At times we lose purpose. We lose focus. Instead of moving purposefully towards those things, we act foolishly. Fear can sometimes paralyze us. Have you ever felt paralyzed by fear? There's something that makes you fearful and you just freeze. And for days or weeks or months, you don't even know how to move because you're so anchored to that thing. And sometimes when you and I become paralyzed by fear, that paralysis, that fear causes us to think foolishly or to do foolish things, anger. How many times have we gotten angry about something and that anger has caused us to say something foolish? That anger has caused us to do something foolish. And what Paul is telling us, what God is telling you and telling me is, hey, you got a moment and don't waste it, and don't waste your life. And in this moment, don't be thinking foolishly. Be thinking clearly. Be thinking wisely. Be thinking critically. Be thinking biblically. Don't be foolish. And so as we think about whether that applies to us, the question we got to ask is, how, how's your thinking? Is your thinking filled with foolishness, or are you thinking wisely? Are you swimming in like this swimming pool of like just silliness and foolish thinking and blah, 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 flopping around in it? Or is this the lens through which you're looking at what's going on around you and you're able to assess it and you're able to think about it and you're able to have a worldview to try to frame it? The reason we open up this book week after week is so that we can know how God wants us to think. And we learn more about God and we think about God because from that we then know how God wants us to act. This book helps keep us from foolishness. Don't be foolish. You're going to get a whole lot more truth out of this book than you are from the Facebook post that your friend posted on their page. You are. What's guiding your truth? Because probably if you asked a bunch of evangelical Christians, their view of truth is from what their friend posted on their Facebook page. And this book speaks to every issue that God wants us to know about. This helps us from being foolish. After telling the people, leverage this moment, don't waste it, you'll waste it by thinking foolishly, Paul then gives them a second action step. And the second action step is kind of the second part of verse 17 where it says, he's told us, don't be foolish, and the second thing is this, but, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Understand God's will. Now, there's kind of three different buckets that God's will falls into throughout scripture. When you hear that phrase in scripture, it's talking about one of three buckets. One bucket is kind of what I define as God's general will. For all people, for all time, 
there's certain things that is his will. His will is that people know his glory. His will is that people know him, right? Kind of his general will. Second bucket of God's will is God's moral will. The things that he tells us in the book we shouldn't do, the things that he tells us in the book, right? Avoid doing sins. And the third bucket of God's will is God's specific, personal plan and purpose and will for us, for you, for me, for his people. God's general will, what he wants for all time, for all people. God's moral will about what sins he wants to avoid. But then God's personal will, which is his plan for you. His purpose for you. And what most commentators all agree on is that in this use, what Paul's talking about, what Paul's telling the Christians, is referring to that third bucket of God's personal will for their lives. Specific ways that God has planned for them, for them to make their days count. His plan for their life, with their abilities, their personalities, their experiences, their gifting. God's will for us. And what Paul is saying here is, hey, understand what that is. Here's kind of the second action step. Understand what God's will is for you. Understand what God's plan is for you. And at times, that, that issue is a tough issue. That's an issue that, that lots of books have been written about. That's an issue that there's all sorts of sermon series and topics about. It's an issue we're not going to try to figure out in 12 to 14 minutes that we have. And, but many of us, we want to know, like, what's my purpose? What's God's will for my life? I have two decisions. Which one does God want me to take? Does he want me to go to the Dunkin' drive-thru or the Starbucks drive-thru, right? What's his plan for me? And sometimes the more we try to press into it, the harder it is for us to figure out, and it can be frustrating. Here's some couple of big ideas. Here's some great news, right? The great news is that God doesn't do this. God does not say to you, hey, I've got a plan for your life. Go figure it out on your own. Instead, what God says is, I've got something I want to do through you. And I, want to, I got a way I want to use you. And I'm not going to leave you to try to figure that alone. I'm going to help you. God helps us figure out his will. We see that from the next verse, verse 18, where it says this, Do not get drunk with wine, for that's debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. As you're trying to avoid wasting your life, as you're trying to figure out what God's plan is for you in this moment, what God's saying is you do that by being filled with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit helps you do that. Now, a few thoughts on being filled because sometimes people get lost in the weeds here. If you're a Christian, at the moment of conversion, the Holy Spirit indwelt you. The Holy Spirit filled you, a member of the Trinity in a way that I don't understand and is a little bit hard to understand, has filled you. God said it. I believe it. I'm good with that. Now, you don't need more of the Holy Spirit. My family made the best apple crisp I've ever had last night. You know what? When I looked at my plate, I wanted more, right? I wanted some more of that apple crisp. That's not the way it is with the Holy Spirit. You have all, when the Holy Spirit fills you, you are filled. Yahtzee. It's not like there's three quarters of the Holy Spirit you still got to track down and figure out, right? You have all of the Spirit. You don't need more of the Spirit. 
And so kind of really understanding, well, what does this word filled here try to help us understand that? Sometimes when the Bible uses the word filled, and to some degree here, it's the way we fill a cup. Right? You take a cup, you got water, you fill it up, and the cup is then full. Full. One and done. Doesn't need any more filling. In a way, that's the truth here about how the Holy Spirit fills you. Poured in, filled, you're good. But there's another nuance to the word filled here. Have you ever seen a sailboat? Wow. Apparently nobody's ever. So there's water and there's this little wooden thing that ha- you could Google it, right? A sailboat. Here, here, the way a sail gets filled with the wind, the way a sail that's flat and then when it catches the wind, the wind fills it and it billows out. Because the wind then is constantly pushing into the sail, continuously pushing into the sail, filling the sail, and then pushing the boat in the direction that the boat should go. That's also the same idea of being filled here. It's not that you need more of the Holy Spirit, but but it's like your, your life is like that sail. Where the Holy Spirit comes in an ongoing way, fills you and then propels you in the path, in the direction, in the plan that he wants you to go. So, we have a helper to discern what God wants us to do, who fills us like the sail with the wind to push us in the path and God's specific purpose. So, so let's kind of very 40,000 foot again, right? Because I know the question of, man, I got a choice. Which one of these is God's will for my life? Which path does God want me to take? Maybe you're in that moment today. Maybe you will be. But maybe, maybe you're just in a moment like, well, I know God has something for me to do. I don't even know what the choices are yet. Maybe you're thinking, do I take the job, not take the job? Move, don't move. College, not college. Date, don't date. Be a missionary, stop being a missionary. What is God calling me to do? Here's some practical steps to try to help you if you're in a moment where you're trying to decide that now or as you're in a moment, and all of us should be in a moment continually examining, man, what does God have for me to do? What is his will for me in this culture to engage and to make an impact and to live for his kingdom? Here's a few ideas about how to try to discern God's will. Ready? Number one, pray. Pray. Don't jump to a decision. Don't, don't, don't just make one. Just <sighs> devote yourself to a time and a season of prayer. Second thing is you're trying to figure out how has God made you and how does God want you to engage and what does it mean for you to fulfill God's purpose for you and not waste your life. Second suggestion based on the text is this. Put yourself in places for the Holy Spirit to guide you. That, that boat, if it's up on a dock, if it's out of water, right? If the sail's not up, that boat's not going anywhere. That boat needs to be in the water in a place for it to catch the wind so that the wind can then move it. And for us as Christians, we've got to put ourselves in places, in moments, where we can listen to the Holy Spirit. And I don't mean weird. You know, I'm not a weird, well, I am a weird dude. Put yourself in places for the Holy Spirit to guide you. 
Put yourself in moments where the distractions are away and you can be quiet. Before the God of the universe who made you in a special way, who has a special plan for you today. I love what Brandon mentioned about the things that we pray for the Holy Spirit to do to show us, to change us, to fill us. Here, third suggestion, if you've got a crossroads and you're like, okay, man, does God want me to do that? Does God want me to do this? Then take a second and come back to think about God's general will and God's moral will. Right? His general will that people know his glory, that people know him. His moral will that sins are avoided. And then ask yourself this, does one of those choices, does choice A move me further toward doing one of those things? Or does it move me further away? from those things? Does a certain choice move me further into pursuing God's general will and God's moral will? Does it move me further from that? Fourth suggestion is this. Talk to other people, right? You've been before God. Now talk to people who know you and talk to people who will be honest with you. Say, man, I got, I got, I'm trying to figure out what God wants for me. And I got these options and you know my strengths, you know my weaknesses, you know what I'm missing. How does this land on you? And don't talk, I've said this before, don't go talk to people who are going to tell you what you already know, want to hear, right? You know you have those people. Those people who are like affirm everything you say. Talk to the people who know you and will speak honestly to you. Sometimes as we're trying to discern God's will, the question just comes down to, Okay, what's the wisest thing? If one of the decisions isn't a sin, what's the wisest thing in this moment? A lot of God's will for your life is linked with what you're passionate about, with what moves you. And so think, if you're trying to discern what's God's will for me, well, what, what, what moves you? What burdens you? What wrong do you look out in our culture? What issue do you look out on our culture and think, man, God has something to say about that and there needs to be truth and there needs to be love and if I could play a part in impacting that issue, man, that would excite me. What group of people do you have a burden for? Maybe some people who don't have the resources that you do or people who are in a particular moment in society where they're not being treated fairly and you're like man I would love to be able to tangibly demonstrate God's love and God's truth to those people I'd love to be able to pour into those people and have an impact in their lives whatever group that may be maybe that's part of the direction in which God is guiding you to serve what need would you like to fix what issue needs to align more with God's kingdom and it's on your heart? Your passions often align with the path God wants you to take as you serve him and as part of not wasting your life. And then kind of the last idea is this. <clears throat> Test drive it. Test drive it. Right? I, I think if we have different interests, if we have different passions, and sometimes the moment to figure out, okay, go to seminary. I went kind of through a process, an elder in church and I met, and part of what he said to me is, okay, Peter, 
I, I hear you saying that you want to <clears throat> open up God's Word and communicate to people every week, right? So here's the deal. Why don't you teach an adult Sunday school? We had Sunday school class at the time. Why don't you teach an adult Sunday school class, right? Like, get, get in the game, old boy, right? You say you want to do it every week for the rest of your life. How about you try it for like six weeks, six Sundays in a row? So, in Jacksonville, Florida, in a small church, right, I got an opportunity to teach the book of Esther. It was a long, long time ago. I am so hopeful that there's no recordings or tapes because it was probably, it was terrible, I'm sure, right? I probably did a lousy job, but you know what? The moment the class was over, I couldn't wait to go back home and study for next week and to come back next week and teach again. Test driving it, helped get me in the water of an area of passion to see if actually, and it confirmed it. And so maybe this morning if you're here and you're like, okay, I don't know what God's will is or I'm choosing something, for some of you, you maybe need to test drive some things. And so what I want to do is I want to put on the, the, the screen, and this will be how we wind down, some opportunities for you in different areas based on your passions, some ways that we can help you get in the game so that you can figure out and maybe have further confirmation about a specific way God wants to use you or a specific thing he's calling you to do or how you can engage or what does it look like for you not to waste your life because I know one thing, God doesn't want you to be complacent. God doesn't want you to be passive. God doesn't want you to be disengaged. God doesn't want you to be paralyzed by fear. God doesn't want you to miss this moment. And so for some of us, some ways that we can press into that is this. We've got to get in the game. For the glory of God and for the good of his kingdom, we've got to engage. And so for some of you, let me give you some ways that here at the church, we, this is to help you. We've got a lot of people in our normal run of ministry who on a weekly basis so many of you work 40 50 hours a week and then you give more time so many of you man take care of kids during the day or two jobs and kids and then you work here and you serve here right we a lot of you serve well this isn't a guilt this is saying hey if you want to know more about god's plan for you man we got we got we got a cafeteria line for you to come and to try something and so here's some opportunities we, if you are gifted and passionate about tech, if you like go home in the late hours of the night and watch YouTube videos about how to make speakers sound better, man, we got opportunities in our tech team. Let me tell you, there are people up there who you will never see, and if it weren't for them, we wouldn't be able to communicate God's word as well as we do. And they enable people week after week to hear God's word in a clear, non-distracting way. Maybe that's part of what you're passionate about, what you're wired for. We need musicians. We need people who love little kids, right, to serve in nursery. We have this amazing thing where even virtually and in a hybrid way this year, like we've done years past, we're going to have a bunch of young moms. And I think being a young mom, I've never been, when I was a young mom, <clears throat> As I watch young moms, as I think about my wife when our kids were young, and man, I, I, it is one of the most challenging things, I think. It's for you young moms who are listening in the room, man, it is, it is a hard task. You know why? Because you just constantly have to give. You constantly give. You constantly give to these little kids who sometimes can get annoying. 
And, and the little kid, like he's not, the little two-year-old's not like, Mom, thank you so much for giving up everything to serve me. The little kid's like, I want more juice in my sippy cup. And it can get tiring. And you can sometimes get lonely. <clears throat> and we have some moms who come together on a regular basis, young moms on a regular basis at Calvary for encouragement. You know what they need? They need someone who's been down the road a little bit, who's not in that chapter anymore, to come alongside them and to encourage them and to put fuel into them when they feel worn out. We need some mentors for some of our young moms here at Calvary. We're kicking off again Kids Night Out, which is largely to many children's first experience with church elementary age kids and we need some team leaders and if and we would love to make that available to you if your heart is for kids who may not yet hear or know about Jesus we have opportunities in our student life if your heart is for teens to be a discussion breakout leader or if you're like I don't want to teach but I have the gift of hospitality and I don't want to waste my life by having this amazing place that I can open up my house to people we need people to help serve and host community groups if you feel like, man, I have a passion just to bring people together and to start real honest conversations, and if you want that type of friendship and you're learning, yearning to create that type of opportunities for community groups to test drive some of your gifting. But maybe you're here and you're like, you know what, bro? I, I do have passions, but it's not necessarily any of those things. Maybe you're really burdened and have been for a while about just our culture and the hurts and the needs, well, this next screen is some ministry partners that we, many of whom, partner with as a church, but it's an opportunity for you to individually also partner with them. Bridgeport Rescue Mission, if you have a heart for homelessness and for the issues that cause homelessness and for meeting the tangible needs of people, there's a way for you to engage and to call those folks. If I brought my Twitter feed up here today, you know what would be on it? Two things. Well, lots of things. But there'd be a lot of conversation about the abortion issue because of the new Supreme Court nominee. There'd be lots of conversation about racism. And there are ways for you today to get engaged in those type of issues if those issues are on your heart and they burden you. Hopeline, a local organization that in a way filled with grace and hope opens its doors to people who are in a situation where they're like, I, I didn't want this baby. I wasn't planning a pregnancy. And for a variety of reasons, as I look down the road, man, I, I, I don't know what to do about this because this is a big curveball in my life. And as women and as couples walk those roads, if that's something you want to have a part in, there's a way for you to do that through Hopeline. I Care Ministry, you might remember Rob Turner came up here when we did the breakout talks on racism. Uh, this, this is an amazing ministry located in Bridgeport that Rob leads up, that the goal of it is for people who are coming out of drug issues or people who are coming out of incarceration or for people who just need some more skills. This is a ministry, this is an organization that is focused on trying to train, develop, equip, mentor, and help give them another shot and put them in a chance to succeed with connections, with mentoring, with training, all gospel-based. And so if that's your heart, if you're like, man, I, 
I look out and there's some people who didn't have the opportunities I had and there's some people who because of one bad choice, it put their life on a totally different trajectory. And we have a God of grace who is about redeeming lives. And I want to be part of that redemption. There's a way for you to do that 12 minutes away from here. Not because you're better than anybody, but because you have God's heart for everybody. There's a way to do that. Bridges, Chris Raleigh, International Student Ministry, Young Life, an organization that specifically targets kids who aren't Christian, who may never, ever step foot in a church. And I don't know if any of those areas are areas that are in your heart. I don't know if any of those areas align with it, but maybe, just maybe, one of those things has resonated with you. And it's resonated with you because God's saying, I've got a plan for you. And I've got a purpose for you. And this is a moment with opportunity and with need. Don't waste it. Don't be passive. Don't be complacent. Don't disengage. Don't give in to fear. Don't miss how God wants to use you. And don't miss what God may want to do in you. And you may never go to Washington, D.C. to speak into politics. You may never go to Portland, Oregon to deal with the riots, but there's something that you can do in your neighborhood. There's something you can do with a person next to you in the house. There's something you can do in a 10-minute radius from this building to serve the Lord and to further his kingdom. Don't waste it. Father, thank you for your word. And I don't know the plans you have uh, for all of us. I don't know the plans you have for the people listening. I don't know the plans you have for our church. But I know that your kingdom is alive and you invite us to engage in that. And that you have designed us in unique ways, in particular ways, for us to serve and for us to impact. And so, Father, I do pray that your Holy Spirit will continue to propel all of us along in the directions you have for us with great clarity and with great joy. And we thank you, Father, for the opportunities that are out there for us to show people what Jesus is like. And may we do that. Amen.